put some pieces of plastic over it to kind of help shed the rain when it rains. It's just a very uh, primitive place. They have talked to the people who own this land, and the guy who owns the land is not a member of the church, but he said, I tell you what, if you raise enough money to buy the land, I will let you buy the land from me, and I'll let you pay me one-fourth of what you raised, and you keep the other three-fourths to build your church building. Okay? which is a pretty good deal. Right now, there's a very small congregation, uh, but there is a hope of being able to build a church. In fact, they got so excited about it. You can see over there, they started making concrete blocks to build their church out of because they're excited about the potential of having a congregation there. This is something new that I'd never seen before. It's suya, and it's they make it out of beef, but you all know what a Brahma cow is. It has the big hump right behind its head. That's what they make it out of, that big hump. They cut that hump off, and it's kind of gristly and fatty and all, but they cut it into real thin slices, and they put a super, super hot, spicy mix on it. And then they cook it over a charcoal fire like that, and it's actually pretty good. It's uh, Compared to all the other things they eat, it's amazing. This is where they buy their meat. They slaughter a cow, and their idea of slaughtering a cow is not like America. They just cut it in chunks. They've got guys with machetes, and they kill it, and they just start cutting chunks off of it. Some guy will have a wheelbarrow, and they'll throw a chunk of meat in his wheelbarrow, and he'll run that through town, and he's got him a wood table set up on a corner somewhere, and he throws that meat up on that wood table, and all day long in that 100-degree heat, he just chops pieces off, and he sells it to people that come by and buy meat. And there's flies all over it, and there's open sewers all around. And, I mean, it's a nasty, nasty thing. But they cook it, so there's that, you know. Uh, it's uh, not real appetizing to see like that. This is uh, some children at a little church in Aquiabum. Aquabum is another state other than Abia. We went to about four different states. Nigeria is just like America in that it's broken down into states that make up the country. And uh, this is a church that was started last year. There are about 30 to 40 members in this congregation. And uh, they are way, way, way back in the jungle. Then they, uh, they're... It's just an amazing place to see. Here's a picture of, of many of the members of the congregation. I, I'm there in the middle with the little girl. Uh, I just got down there to take the picture, and somebody came and stuck the kid on my lap. No diaper. I'm saying, uh-oh, let's hurry up, and i got to wear these clothes all day. Let's get this off of me. But uh, we... we <laughs> We survived that uh, without a problem. They're, they are wonderful people. They really are. You get back in a village like this, though, it's not uncommon. The kids have never seen a white person, you know, and uh, they're, they're amazed at a white person. The kids will rub on your hand to see if the white comes off because they just, they don't know. And some of the children are afraid of you. They think you're a ghost if you're white. And uh, it's, it's really a fascinating experience. This is a typical way they build a house in Nigeria back in these villages. What they do is they take bamboo and they make a lattice out of that bamboo and then they pack it with mud. And then they get cement, which they can buy 
And they mix this kind of a homemade concrete and they will rub it on the outsides. Of course, as you can tell, this house has been there a while and, and the concrete doesn't last real well. It doesn't stand up to the weather. And you know what mud does when it gets wet. And so when they, they've got two seasons, summer and winter. Summer, it doesn't rain. Winter, it rains all the time. That's their only two seasons. And, but this is a very typical way they build their houses back in the place. This is another congregation in Aquabum. It's Echenica, and this is a large congregation. They've probably got three to 400 members in this congregation. And they built the building. We uh, raised money to put a roof on the building, and you can't really tell here so much, but it's a, it's a very large building. We always try to purchase some transportation when we go over there. We bought six motorcycles this time, and a motorcycle like that will allow a preacher to go from village to village and preach the gospel. Otherwise, they're riding a bicycle or walking. They don't have transportation. You can't ride these in the city without license, special licenses. And also, uh, actually, when we bought these, they have to pay the police to come and escort them to the edge of town so they can get out of town uh, before they ride their motorcycles without these special licenses. Uh, five of these were for preachers who had never had motorcycles before. One of them was a preacher who had a motorcycle, but uh, a gang of people stopped him with machetes and guns, and they took his motorcycle away from him. And he was happy to get out with his life. But uh, they hit him with the machete and cut him, but they didn't injure him seriously. And uh, so we purchased a motorcycle to replace that for him. This is a Walgreens in Nigeria. This, if you want medicine, that's one of the biggest problems they have. Their life expectancy is 53. It was 47. It's come up to 53 now. Which, but they, they don't have good medicine. And uh, if you want medicine, this is really, this would be where a guy would go buy medicine. It's just a guy with a wheelbarrow full of medicine. And you just dig through there and it may be what the label says and it may not be what the label says. So it's a very uh, precarious thing. This is a shoe store. They just put the shoes all out at the back of the truck and you dig through and try to find a pair that'll work for you. This is a gas station. They've got fuel in those little bottles right there. And the guy will come up and he'll buy a little bottle of fuel and pour that in his motorcycle. And that's the way they uh, get their fuel. This is a department store. This would be like Walmart to you. This would be where they go. And I can tell you this, you can find almost anything you could buy at Walmart back in these, these places like this. Now, it won't be the same stuff, but I mean, if you whatever you need, you can find it at a place like this. Um, but it's all, especially you can see in the, in the rainy season, it's wet and there's a lot of mud. It's very difficult. Uh, this is a McDonald's over there. This is just a regular restaurant. They've got these all around. People will come and uh, would you like to eat there? The kids are going, no, they don't think they'd like to eat there. Well, you could, you remember that meat on that table? They buy some of that and they could serve that to you here. It's a, it's a, just a very, very different world. These people, there are 200 million people in Nigeria. Now, there's 330 million in the United States. So they're more than half the size of the United States in population. The nation itself is the size of Texas, Arkansas, and Louisiana put together. 
So you get 200 million people in that small space. Okay? And of those 200 million, 100 million of them live in what the UN calls desperate poverty. And that level is $1.90 a day. So half of the people who live here live on less than $1.90 a day. You just think about that. What's it cost you to take your family out to eat? What's it cost you to go to Starbucks? If you go to eat and it costs you 40 bucks, that's 20 days of living for one of those people. It's a, a world full of desperate poverty. Here's a young lady with her Bible in church. I wanted to show you that because there are a lot of young people there and they're people who love God and they want to learn the truth. Now, a lot of them don't have Bibles. This In this village, in this community, you can see this church. They've got concrete on, on the floor and they've got pews to sit in. And, and this young lady has a Bible. They're one of the wealthier areas. But I mean, while the preacher preached... She didn't sit there and play with her cell phone. She had her Bible, and she looked. Now, maybe you're using your Bible on your phone. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying she was interested, as young as she is, in hearing what the preacher had to say and learning about it. And she, she could turn those pages and find those verses in the Bible. It's pretty amazing. They spell Jesus a little different than we do. This is a communion cloth. And somebody has, has stitched the word Jesus on top of that, and they lay that over their communion. This is Jacob, my son. Can you tell which one he is in that picture? <laughs> he is here with this man is an elder in the church and he, at uh, Amofro. He's an elder in the church at Amofro, and he is our builder. We purchased some land over there and are building a larger project, and he's the man who is the builder, and this is his family, and he was real excited for us to meet his family when we were at Amofro. One of the things we did, before I go to that next picture and show you too much about it, we went to an orphanage this time, and we took Dr. Terry Lewis with us, and he did eye eye exams for people. We've never done that before. And uh, we had set up to go to an orphanage. Now, this is an orphanage that's associated with Church of Christ, very similar to the orphanage y'all go to down here, only very, very different. Uh, they were excited to have us come. None of these children had ever seen an eye doctor, ever. None of these people had ever had eye exams. And so they were so excited to get eye exams. They were excited that Americans were coming. And, you know, we knew they would be happy that we'd come, but we had no idea. They were out in the road down the street, and they had their drums, and they had a marching band kind of thing going on, and they were beating those drums and playing their music as we drove up. And we went in, and they, all those children lined up. Now, they have 60 kids in the orphanage and another 70 that come to a boarding school here that's associated with it. So there were about 130 kids, and then there were some other people who'd come. So there was a pretty good crowd uh, of people there, and they march. It was very much like a military operation, you know, where these kids, they march, and they marched all around each other, and they had, it was quite a... Quite a fascinating show they put on for us. And they had, they'd sang for us, and they did a skit for us, and they 
uh, sang a lot of church songs for us, and it was just a, a really encouraging time. This is the entrance going into that orphanage. That's on their playground. That's, uh, that's their toys on their playground. You kids ever play on a toy like that? You know, there's a chair. You can tell they've cut the chair out of metal, and that's rebar that's built on the edges here like this. And they weld that on there. And right in the middle, there's this pole. And the kids sit in that, and somebody pushes them, and they go around. Doesn't that look like fun? This is not what you're going to see at the orphanage down here. But this is the orphanage that they have. And they have pigs there that they raise their own pigs to eat. They have chickens and turkeys. They have big tanks that they raise fish in. Okay, they have all, they grow lots of corn and they grow cassava and they grow pumpkin. And they grow pumpkins, a lot of pumpkins, but they eat the leaves. They don't eat the gourds. They don't eat the pumpkins. They eat the leaves as greens like we'd eat spinach. And... Uh, they they make it work with these kids. It's it's an amazing uh, situation. I want to introduce you to a couple of these kids. This little boy here, I don't remember his name, but uh, he's as you can see, he's very very young. I don't know, maybe a couple of months, three months old. The lady that started this orphanage wanted to help women who lived on the street who had children. And homeless women with children. And she came to America, got a doctorate at the University of Georgia. And went back over there and she said she was going to start something to help these homeless. She said, in America, homeless people have a choice. They don't have to be homeless. But in Nigeria, they don't have any choice. And so she went back and she started helping these women who had children. She did that for five or six years. And what happened was she said she discovered that they have a choice in Nigeria too. And those women wanted to be on the streets. They didn't want to be anywhere different. But what ended up happening was they would come to her for help for a little while. And then they would leave and leave their children. And she ended up having a bunch of kids. She didn't plan to start an orphanage. That's just what happened, and she didn't have any way to support them, so she started a boarding school, and people pay to send their children there and stay, and that's what supports this, that and donations from, from individuals and churches here in the United States. In the area she lives, everyone knows about her. They know about this school. And so when a child is abandoned, they will many times be brought to her. This little boy, his mother put him in a plastic trash bag and threw him in the trash. And someone heard him crying. Got him and called the authorities. And they brought him to her. He'll have a life now. He'll have a chance. This little girl right here, she is the sweetest little thing you can see from her smile. She hugged me like I was her long-lost daddy. Only her daddy wasn't nice. Her daddy brought her here, left her when she was a baby. Now, in Nigeria, what will happen a lot of times is people will leave their children at an orphanage like this when they're young, and then they'll come back and get them when they're old enough to work and help the family. Her father, a lot of times those families, they will come and visit the child, but they just can't care for the child because they don't have the money to support them and to take care of them. 
Her dad never came to visit, never came back until she was six years old. One day he just showed up. She didn't know who he was. He said, I'm taking her. Nothing the lady that ran the orphanage could do. She was his child. He took her. And then she got word the next day that he had sold her as a slave for 5,000 naira. As a slave. 5,000 naira is about $14. She heard about it. She sent someone that she knew who had a motorcycle to where this happened. And they went and when they got there... The people who bought her were just taking her away. And this guy rode up and grabbed her on the motorcycle and just took off. And brought her back here. They had to pay these people who bought her for this little girl's freedom. Now she belongs here. There's so many stories, so many stories like this. That's Ebob. His name is Ebob. I don't know where they get these. Ebob, his mother died when he was born. His father couldn't take care of him. In Nigeria, it's different than in America. People don't rally around someone like this. In Nigeria, if a mother dies giving birth to a child, that child is branded as a mother killer. Nobody wants them. This is the lady who directs this orphanage. That's me holding Ebob. Without people like her, he would have, he'd die. He would just die. But we had, what, what a blessing to see these people. They wanted to exchange flags, so we did a flag exchange with them. This is Jacob working with some people with the eye clinic. Dr. Terry did the eye exams. Jacob did triage, and he would have them come in, and he would figure out which ones needed to see the eye doctor and which ones didn't and what their needs were, and then send them in to Terry. So Jacob worked here. This is Dr. Terry working. You see this pole here. He brought that. That's like a a camera tripod, but it got broken on the way over in the luggage, so we... We stuck a pin in the end, and they've got rope there trying to hold it together. Eventually, it completely broke, and it took three or four tries for a welder to get it fixed, but we got it to where it would stand, and uh, it's not the same as doing a, an eye exam here, but we were able to actually give these people some help. They learned the American Pledge of Allegiance before we got there, so they could say that for us. This is uh, Jacob again in with some children at one of the churches in the village. Don't ever complain about your chairs here. <laughs> this is a chair, really cool. They, uh, that's rebar that they've bent and welded, and they made a nice little indention for you to sit in so it's a little more comfortable. But this is chairs at one of the churches. This is actually some of the best seating you're going to have uh, at a church over there. These two little girls, uh, that's Aluchi and that's Miracle. And uh, they are orphans also. Now, they're not in that orphanage, 
They're orphans whose family was killed in a little village called Enlagu. And there's a lady in the church who is a widow in the church there. And she saw those kids, and they talk a little different even in English than we do. A lot of them speak English, and they'll say, she went and picked the kids, which means she went and took them. She, she picked them for her own because all their family was dead. And this widow took them into her home. She's a widow. She has no, no income to speak of. And not long after she took these little girls, her house burned. Uh, so she has moved into a place where we would call it a multifamily housing unit. And there are these little rooms and all these children live in these rooms. And these children with the women, this is Jacob with these two little girls. And we're sitting in front of their house. And I don't know if you can't see the picture very well, but this is one wall. That's the other wall. Their house is literally... 10 by 10. In it is a foam pad like that. There's two of them. In this corner, there's a little table. In that corner is a suitcase that we left on one of our previous trips. And their clothes are on that suitcase. And hanging up here is where she hangs their laundry. She's got a little cord across that corner where she hangs their laundry. There's no kitchen. There's no bathroom. There's no living room or bedroom. It's all just this one room. This is where they cook their meals outside. And you can see there's probably 30 or 40 kids that live in this area where these, these people live. That's earth. That's dirt. And they've built it up like this. And they build a fire there and they lay their food across the top of that to cook. They cook as kind of communal style, all the people that live there. When we got there and met them and found out about them, these little girls haven't gone to school because they have no money. The, the lady who takes care of them has no money for that. Do you have any idea what it costs to support two orphans and a widow for a year? It costs 1,000 American dollars. 1,000 dollars, 500 dollars per child will pay for all their clothes, their school, Medicine, food, $1,000 a year is what it costs for them to live. So there is a family here in America who has adopted them and sends $1,000 a year to take care of their needs and their necessities. There are so many opportunities. I mean, people who are genuinely in need, not people who are in need because they've made bad life choices. People are in need because they have no other option and no help. One of the things we've done is we bought some property. And uh, we, it's in a place called Ihi, which is on that highway I showed you. It's between Aba and Port Harcourt. And we are trying to build, it's a couple of acres, and we're building a, uh, a facility there that will allow them to have big meetings, that they can have all their preachers come. When they do youth meetings, they don't do like Amarillo does one and Plainview does one and Denton does one. They bring all the kids from all the churches together so they'll have several hundred children. And we're going to have a place there hopefully large enough for them to be able to do that. 
Uh, it will also serve as a place where we can stay when we go to Nigeria, where there will be security there. It'll be a secured location. It will also put clinic rooms in it as part of our I, our goal so we can take Dr. Terry and some other people back to maybe do dental or wonder who that would be. Hmm. <laughs> uh, or eye eye clinics and things like that, medical clinics that we can do. Uh, So while we were over there, they got started building that. The picture is not real bright and not easy to see, but you can see the wall that they've got here. It's amazing to watch what they do because they don't have big equipment to do all this work with. They do it by hand. And so they dug a trench while I was there around this two acres that was about that wide and about that deep for the foundation for this wall to build it on. And I mean, they did it by hand with all those roots and and they had axes and shovels. And I mean, it is square and it's amazing what they can do just by hand. We'd go by there. We stopped there several times and there'd be 20 or 30 guys out there working. And as you can tell, they're already uh, got this wall. Now, the wall is necessary for security. Over there, there is a security risk. They make their own concrete blocks, and these blocks will be faced on either side with some kind of rock, and uh, it will be a very secure place. There will be wire and, uh, uh, you know, safety wire and stuff on the top, and hopefully it will be a very secure area. You can kind of see in the background some of the wall where they've started building it across the back of the property. It was rainy season, as I said. This is a street in Port Harcourt. See the water up all around. They have seri- They don't have drainage like we do in America, and we still have floods. So it's terrible when it rains hard over there. And you see that. You No wonder their roads are like they are. Um, we do have security. One of the questions that's always asked to me when I go is about security. In fact, every time I go, other than my wife, there's someone that comes to me and says, please don't go. Please don't go this time because you hear a lot of bad stuff about Nigeria, don't you? Any news you ever hear about Nigeria is bad, right? About people getting killed and kidnapped and Boko Haram and all of that stuff. There is very real security risk over there. However, we we have developed a a system, a security system that I believe is very, very good. And you can talk to any of the guys who've gone. It You could get in a spot, but we've got good security team. And I want to show you a picture. These are the guys who provided security for us while we were there. Here's Samuel, our security advisor. Here's one, two, three, four, five. And I guess the other guard was probably taking the picture. Uh, This is Prince, our driver. The rest of it's us except for this guy. His name's Wisdom, and this is a big dude. And I don't know what he was there for other than intimidation. He just went with us everywhere we went. But we have a car in front of us that's got three of these guys with their automatic weapons in it and a driver. And they go in front of us and they've got sirens and lights and there's a chase vehicle behind us. And we're in the middle. And everywhere we go... They get us through the traffic, and when we pull up to a place, those guys with their guns, they're the first ones out of the vehicles, and they go around, and they set a perimeter, and there are times they come to us, and they say, we need to go. And when they do, we get in the vehicle, and we leave. They've got very good sense of what's going on. They've got 
And they've got really well-laid plans. They even have safe houses, they call them, so that if there's a problem, they've got a place to take us that they feel like they can defend. Uh, it's Although there is risk and there's danger, it's like a little bit like if you were to read the newspaper about Dallas, you would never go to Dallas because of all the crime and the murder and stuff like that that happens in Dallas. I read just last night there were 41 murders in June in Dallas. Okay. Would you go to a place with 41 murders in one month? Well, if you go to Dallas, you do. It's just like anything else. If you're careful and you have wise people that are looking out for you, uh, most of the time you can avoid any serious trouble. Let me tell you how concerned I am about it. I took my son, and I promised his mama before I left, I'm going to bring the cub home to mama, so it'll be okay. Uh, so we do appreciate your prayers and your concern for us. But listen, there's work that needs to be done over there. And not only do these guards, half of these guards, well, four out of the six of them were Muslims, which is a little surprising to me when that first happened, that they would protect us while we preach the gospel, but they will sure do it. And they get to hear the gospel. And this is a picture I took at one of the small churches we were at. You can see they've got their Church of Christ Nigeria t-shirts on. But these guards... Listen to us preach. They hear us preach and they come in. That's the way Samuel was converted. That's the way Prince was converted. They come in and they hear the gospel taught. And it touches them and their lives just like the gospel that's being preached out into the villages, the people out there. There's a lot of support that comes from Nigeria or from America to Nigeria. These are people that have been helped just by your donations. This young girl, you've seen pictures of her before probably, cost $500 to get her that surgery. They radically changed her life. I saw her and got to take pictures with her this time. This is a young preacher who was burned. He had to have surgery to uh, repair his body after the burns. Um, this is Benjamin John, one of our preachers who died. This is a family that he left, a wife and three children. We've built a house for them to live in. Uh, the things you do make a genuine, real difference in people's lives. And uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about money, but I do want to tell you it takes money to help these people. $1,000 takes care of a couple of orphans. Uh, $800 is what we're trying to increase the support for. A monthly support for one evangelist is 50 to to $100, depending on where he lives. Uh, Cost forty five hundred bucks to put a roof on a church. Can you imagine worshiping here with just leaves and no roof? Forty five hundred dollars. Transportation, depending on whether we're buying motorcycles or cars. Uh, Bibles cost seven to nine dollars. An English Bible is also nine dollars over there. Benevolence, you saw the pictures. There's it never ends the needs for benevolence over there. To dig a well costs $2,500 to drill the borehole, they call it. And then another 2500 for tanks and generators and things like that to make that available. One of those villages, the village that had the two guards sitting in it, that village church has no water. They have to walk, the members of our church have to walk six miles to get clean water. They have to walk six miles when they want water. The reason is because the only well in town is on the property of another church. And that church will let anyone in town except your brothers and sisters use their well. 
So one of the things we're trying to do is raise money for wells. So we'll let anyone use the wells that we drill and use the water that comes from that. Uh, Sponsoring a suitcase, we took 1,200 pairs of glasses. Now, Dr. Terry prescribed a lot of those to people. Those will need to be replenished. But it cost cost us $285 per suitcase full of glasses to take. So when we always take clothes or glasses or something like that, we always take communion supplies. There are various things we take. It costs $285 to fly a suitcase from Dallas to Nigeria to get this stuff to them. Uh, upcoming trip costs. The costs of a trip are expensive. All the men who go, including my son, pay for their own trip. They do that either by raising money or by Jacob's mowed yards and various things like that. It costs about $4,000, four to $5,000, depending on the time of year and the price of the airplane tickets, for someone to go. You can donate to that. You can donate and say, you know, I want to help someone go. Um, if you can't do any of that, you can pray. Because prayer doesn't cost you anything. Prayer helps. Prayer matters. You know, I think about this every time I come home. I think, what if every member of the church in America, every single day, prayed for the church in Nigeria? Can you imagine the difference that would make? The things that we could do. So, even if you can't financially participate in these other ways, what you can do is you can participate through prayer. Uh, That's... That was not a photo op. It was just a little girl. We gave her a packet full of clothes. That was clothes that were sent by some Americans. And she had a little Bible there. And she was at church. Um, I invite you to be involved. The church here in, in Amarillo does support on a monthly basis the work in, in Nigeria. So some of the money you contribute to the church here goes to these things that we've been looking at and talking about. If you have any questions for me after services, well, I'd be happy to answer those. This I'll leave this up here. They said I'm supposed to tell everyone to like our Facebook page, so click the little hearty thing or whatever it is you do on a Facebook page to like it. They say that helps. Uh, we do have a website, and that's the address if you want to send. I'll leave that up there so you can take a picture with your phone or something if you want to. Thank you for your wonderful attention. I hope Carrie warned me, don't go too long. So I hope I haven't gone too long. (laughs) Uh, But I hope you are excited about the gospel being spread. The same Jesus that you serve, that you thought about today, is the same Jesus they think about. He saves their souls just like he does ours. And I hope you're motivated and encouraged in some way. Please uh, continue your good work. I'm very excited about what y'all are doing here. If you have a spiritual need, we do close this with an invitation. If you will bring your uh, need to the front of the church while we stand and sing.